Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Welcome. Yeah, some people are mad at me this morning that I didn't bring my didgeridoo. Apparently, they wanted me to use that as a sermon illustration. Uh, so my name's Drew. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I'm on staff here. I kind of lead up the home group ministry. So I like when, even when we have a bad cable on the keyboard and there's an annoying buzzing sound, the Holy Spirit sort of invades and we have good worship despite that. So thank you, Lord, that you're moving and you're working despite busted cables and we can have fun in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you show up here, and thank you, Lord, that it's not just about us sitting around having a social club. This is you changing lives, and this is you having a purpose and an impact here. So welcome again. There's some, there's some new faces. I'm uh, excited to see you guys here. Welcome especially to you. Uh, we're going to be going through sort of a case study from Acts today. It's in chapter 3, so go ahead and pull that open. We're going to be starting at verse 3 and uh, reading to about verse 10. So again, Acts 3, verse, verse 3. And it's a story we're all pretty familiar with. We've been going through a series called The Holy Ghost. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about our authority in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So Peter heals a lame beggar. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at about three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this story in Acts 3 follows immediately after Acts 2, where we see the Holy Spirit come tangibly, powerfully, and leaves a confused and timid, yet patient and faithful group of people extraordinarily and radically changed. You see, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when he fills the room, there's sometimes physical and tangible evidence, like the the tongues of fire that rested on people in Acts 2. We don't see that as much these days, but as a kid, I remember growing up in the the vineyard, going to prayer meetings or worship nights, and we'd be there till like 11 p.m., and people would be laying down. It was like they were passed out all over the room because the presence of the Lord came so strongly that they were unable to stand. My sister Catherine is one of those people who has a really contagious laugh. She's a lot of fun to hang out with and really good for my ego because if I say a joke that's kind of funny, you know, sort of funny, she'll laugh really hard at it and then I kind of feel good about myself. And she's really great at a party because it's never awkward. She kind of lubricates the whole thing and we all have a lot of fun. 
So she's getting prayer. I remember as a little kid, she's uh, getting prayer at one of these meetings, and then everyone around her, she starts laughing, and everyone around her kind of starts laughing. And then pretty soon the whole room, probably like 150, 200 people, just start erupting in laughter. It's wild. And I remember people saying, more Lord, more Lord. And they're just, they're just like, this is hilarious. And I'm sitting there, eight years old, thinking, okay, I don't know what the heck is going on, but I guess the Lord is here. And you know what? I think, I think like 50 people got healed that night. And a whole bunch more got saved. Loads of people got saved that night. This used to happen regularly. So what would happen is the Spirit of the Lord would come, and the joy of the Lord would fill the room, and people just couldn't contain it. We actually had something pretty cool happen over here. We were having the School of uh, Supernatural Ministry, and I've, I've, never heard of, uh, I've never heard of this happening before, or I've never seen this happen. I've heard of this happening before, but a bunch of us are praying together, and in the middle of praying for uh, somebody, I just sort of stop and I go, whoa, you guys smell that? It was like this sweet aroma that kind of came out of nowhere. It was like perfume, not like when you walk into Macy's and you're suffocated, but it was like the opposite, like you wanted to stop and drink it in. And there were a bunch of us who smelled it, so you can, you can ask some of the other people that are in uh, the School of Supernatural Ministry what they thought about it. But Hosea 14 says, his beauty will be like the olive tree and his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Or if you're from Tennessee, Lebanon. And I've heard that sometimes when the presence of the Lord comes, you can smell this tangible fragrance of the Lord. And that was the first time I had ever experienced it, although I'd, I'd heard people uh, talking about this before. So I grew up in this. This was kind of natural for me. It was called the renewal. It was this powerful move of the Holy Spirit that happened in the 90s, and it was a lot of fun. And people would be strewn all over the floor. It was kind of ridiculous. So... Does that sound kind of strange to some of you guys, hearing that? It might sound strange to listen to, but I can tell you, when you see it, you're amazed by it. You want to understand it. You want to see more of it. You become hungry for it. You become thirsty for it. Just like the lame beggar and all who witnessed it, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All because Peter was just walking along and he had a spiritual antenna up and thought, maybe the Lord's doing something here. When the Holy Spirit touches you in such a profound way and speaks to you the exact thing you need to hear through people that can never know those details about your life, the power of alcoholism is destroyed. The power of sexual addiction and drug addiction is destroyed. The power of sin, bondage, death all destroyed. I want to share uh, a, pretty, a pretty impactful example of this. Uh, just what can happen when you kind of got your spiritual antenna up and you, you kind of invite the, the Holy Spirit into, into what you're doing. When I was living out in Scotland attending the Kingdom Vineyard in St. Andrews, we had another vineyard pastor come down and speak to us. Uh, his name is Peter Sturrock. He's the He's the pastor up at the Aberdeen Vineyard, and I tell you, he sounded exactly like Sean Connery. Uh, it, was, it was really bizarre hearing someone come in and, and speak to us. He'd be like, well, it's uh, fantastic to be here with all of you, and afterwards we'll have tea and coffee and donuts, and we'll have a time of ministry up here. And I was like, I, I can't listen to you, buddy. You sound exactly like Sean Connery. So anyways, he's given this sermon, 
And, you know, I can't even remember what the sermon was about. It was just, you know, a regular good sermon from a a guest pastor coming in. Right in the middle of it, he interrupts himself. And this had nothing to do with what he was talking about. He just says, and by the way, men in the congregation, don't ever leave your wives. And we're all like, whoa, where did that come from? And he says, there are some of you even now who are contemplating leaving your wife and having an affair. Don't do it. Don't ever think about doing it. Your wife is sanctifying to you. She was given to you for a purpose. And there's a reason the Lord brought you two together. And what he has for you as a couple has not yet been completed. And there was huge blessing for you in the future. Oh my gosh. I couldn't believe it. I got stuck on that. And probably the reason I can't remember the rest of his sermon is because I was so impacted by it. And you know, I wasn't married. I was a single guy. I hadn't met Julia yet. But it just rocked me in such a profound way. When the Holy Spirit speaks, when God really shows up in your church, it's like a sword that pierces through all the confusion right to the heart. It's just pure, unadulterated, holy truth. So how powerful would it be if you heard something like that and you're going through something like that in your, in your life where there's so much crap going around in society that it's just... You know, people say, it's okay to do whatever. You do you, go have an affair, that's like, that's fine. I actually just got back from a trip on uh, Vancouver Island where I grew up, and I had lunch with this very dear friend of mine, and I found out she's now divorced. She had three kids, and it turned out that her husband had been cheating on her with all these different women throughout their entire marriage. And this is a guy I went to church with. So it's unfortunately such a real issue that sadly comes up so often and it breaks my heart. But when he walks into the room, everything changes. Nothing is the same. So that's what my heart is after. That's what my heart longs for. Because I've tasted, and I've seen that the Lord is good, and I want it. And there are people in this room that want it. And maybe you haven't experienced it, and I want to just say, if you haven't experienced it, you're not a junior Christian, okay? Um, Don't ever let anyone tell you that. Don't ever let anyone make you feel like that if you haven't experienced it. But there is another dimension of relationship and power that the Lord wants to bring you into, and he's wanting to release that power and blessing and favor in your life, but also in other people's lives through your ministry. But man, when the Holy Spirit ministers to you in that way, you're, you're changed forever. I know that there was someone in that room uh, at church that day who was probably going through something pretty, pretty heavy. And then the Lord just broke it. It's kind of the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Someone challenges your faith and says, how do you know there is a God? Well, at that point, it's not about logical reason uh, and fact-checking. You know, not to discount apologetics. There's certainly a place for that. But when someone says, how do you know God is real? Well, because I met him. I've seen his move in my life. I've seen his move in the church and outside of the church. I've seen his tangible, unrelenting, powerful, unequaled love in person. So these physical manifestations, why do they happen? Well, let's think about it for a second. Let's put it in context. So we got the omnipotent creator of the universe who touches you in a powerful way, that's going to have some earthly consequences, right? But it's not even that. It's not even his power which affects us so much. It's the fact that 
God is purely holy and entirely perfect, and, and we are so not. And when the holy God comes, even in part or even in a fraction, and we are impacted by his presence, our bodies don't really know how to react, and sometimes strange things happen, and that's okay. And it's the responsibility of the, the church leadership to kind of do a good job and explain that and administer that. Paul talks about orderly worship. But we see lots of examples of this in the Bible. Moses actually had to have his face covered by a veil after uh, spending time with God uh, up on the mountain. The glory of God was so much on him that if his, if his face wasn't covered, the Israelites just wouldn't have been able to handle it, so it had to be covered. When the Ark of the Covenant was brought into Jerusalem, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon David, that he, and, and he stripped down to his underwear and danced before the Lord. And it was pleasing to the Lord, but it wasn't pleasing to everybody. But seriously, his, his wife looks out of her window, and she watched him do all this, and she despised him. And people will do that. That'll happen. People, not only non-Christians, but people in the church will see the move of the Holy Spirit and despise it. And they'll say, that's not for today. They will discount it. They will falsify it, even use Scripture to denounce it. I've been told not to speak in tongues. Just like to myself while worshiping, not super loud, not really bothering anyone, not, not stepping outside of the bounds of uh, what Paul talks about how to do it. But uh, I was told to stop. Another time, another pastor, um, he, he brought one of the elders in the church, and they met with me in private, and they said, no more praying for healing, no more prophetic words, no more speaking in tongues. By the way, I've been admonished uh, like this by three other pastors in my life. The first one was actually a youth pastor at a Baptist church for decades. He was the guy who told me no more speaking in tongues in worship. So probably about 150 kids in this youth group. So seven years ago, I found out that he left his wife and three kids to run off with an 18-year-old, one of the girls in the youth group. Okay? Scripture warns us very clearly that by your fruit you shall know them. And we don't always see at first how this stuff is going to play out. And for many years, I felt very confused about speaking in tongues because here was this godly man admonishing me for responding to the move of God in my life. Just in quiet worship, just not quiet enough for him. The other two pastors that tried to quash those gifts in me sadly have seen their churches dwindle in size to almost about nothing. It's been remarkable. Like 10 years ago, big, vibrant churches. Now it's like maybe five show up on a Sunday. And this is kind of weird. Both of them have struggled with chronic, sometimes unexplainable illnesses for years. Now, I was very hesitant to share that last part with you because I don't want anyone thinking it's okay to go around labeling people like that. Oh, well, God must be judging his sin, so that validates me. Well, it's very dangerous to do that, and Jesus actually condemned the Pharisees for doing it. But I was kind of thinking about how Paul talks about taking communion in an unworthy manner. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. So I don't know if there's a correlation there. That's not me really trying to speak with authority on the issue, but I do think that God warns us about these things, especially people in positions of authority and leadership in the church. Ananias and Sapphira were actually struck dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. This is a big deal. So you know, just don't go around abusing people in the church or anybody. God hates it. 
God loves his kids and he doesn't want anyone messing with them. As a pastor, especially, I believe if you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're bringing curses down on your life. I believe it. If you grieve the church and you abuse the, the people in the church, same thing. Because Jesus said, Peter, I want you to feed my lambs, love my little lambs. Don't beat them and abuse them. One of those pastors actually called me out publicly in front of the whole congregation because I wasn't being enthusiastic enough. Okay? They were a pretty celebratory bunch, which I'm all for, but you know me. And uh, Julia, after about six years, is kind of just starting to figure this out, that what's going on here doesn't always match what's going on here and here. Right? So uh, she, she's good to ask me this, but she'll ask me a lot, what's wrong? Are you okay? And people at work will say, hey, buddy, are you okay? You look kind of down. And I'll be like, what? No, I'm, I'm great. What are you talking about? I'm usually perfectly happy. I just kind of have resting scowl face. So I was having a nice time in worship, but I wasn't moving and dancing in the right way. So he calls me out. He says, he basically told me I wasn't, a, I wasn't a good Christian or I wasn't obeying God or whatever he said. It was pretty shocking stuff. I love this quote from Joyce Meyer. She says, if you're saved, would you please inform your face? <laughs> so I guess I need to work on that. But that pastor didn't know me very well. And accountability without relationship is abuse. Period. So if you guys come in here and you want to worship like this, we love that. And if you want to come in and worship like this, and if you want to bring a big purple flag with tacky golden writing on it and wave it around and dance in the front row, we love it. I know there are some people in this church that would be very against that, but I'd be all for it. So, you know, when the Holy Spirit shows up, sometimes people get quieter. And sometimes people get louder. So this stuff happens. Sometimes people manifest in some uh, interesting ways that we might not be used to. But the Holy Spirit is longing to introduce himself to you. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. And guys, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit is like a feather just sort of gently falling out of the sky and touching your forearm. And it's kind of up to you to invite it to rest. And it's so light, we might barely even know it's there. The voice of the Lord came to Elijah in a whisper. And guys, it's so easy to ignore. You know what the enemy's classic line is? You're making it up. It's not real. The enemy wants to quash it because he knows how powerful this is. He knows there's authority and power that in some parts of the church is laying dormant. And so he's got his enemy forces, and they've all been given assignments to take you out and make sure it's not, it's not being effective in the church. He's had a long time to practice which tools of discernment are going to be most effective on you. So back in Acts 3, we just spent four Gospels seeing Peter leap before he looks, we all kind of know what Peter's personality is, but now Peter's not acting in the old way. There's, there's been a change. The Holy Spirit has come on him in a powerful way, and there's, there's a newness to his ministry. 
He's got this authority that he speaks with. Where does that come from? Well, I want to talk about that for a minute. How is it that Peter's able to walk up to this guy and heal him? What's going on here behind the scenes? Is there some sort of mental or spiritual dialogue that's happening between God and heaven and Peter? Well, we don't know for sure, but I doubt it. So often our approach to this stuff, especially with healing, is that we kind of we need to hear from God before we do anything, or we sort of feel like we need the Lord's permission. We pray something like this, Lord, if it's your will, you know, we ask that you would heal this person, uh, but we understand that you're sovereign, so it's okay if you don't too. Now, that's, that's not necessarily an incorrect attitude to have, but those aren't really the kinds of prayers we see in Scripture, and those certainly aren't the kinds of prayer that, prayers that Jesus ever prayed when he, came, uh, when he came and did his ministry and healing. So imagine if you've got a police officer, and uh, he needs to make an arrest, but he goes, he goes to the judge, and he's like, hey, is it okay if I arrest this person? The judge is going to be like, what are you coming to me for? You've got the badge. You've got the authority. Go do it. In the same way, when Jesus was ascending into heaven, he said, greater things will you do than I have done. He said that. And that's for today. So go do it. Heal the sick. Make disciples of all the earth. I love how those two go hand in hand, by the way. You see, what we are doing when we pray for people or when we speak authoritatively, prophetically, over people's lives, we are reclaiming the authority that we handed over to Satan in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's actually the god of this world. Right now, in this present age, he rules. He's got the authority and he's got the legal right over our lives because we gave it to him when we sinned. It wasn't set up that way. When, uh, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, now go forth, multiply and subdue the earth. In other words, rule the earth. In other words, I want you to participate with me in my creation. It's not I rule and you do what I say, but I want you to participate with me, and I want you to be a part of everything I do. You are an extension of my authority and my rulership. But we forfeited that when we said we wanted to participate in Satan's agenda. And then the whole thing got broken, obviously. It took Jesus dying, coming to earth, and reclaiming the keys to hell and death, and to reclaim that authority on our behalf, and now we have access to that authority. And he defeated death, and now Satan doesn't have that legal right anymore. And the Bible says the same power and authority that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. So that's it. It's simple. Jesus has the authority. He shares it with us. He's not sharing the glory, that's all for Jesus, but he is saying, I'm calling you to do my work. So when we pray for someone for healing, we just pray simple. Simple prayers, kind of like Jesus did. Little girl, get up. Lazarus, come out. So when I pray, I kind of do what Jesus did when he prayed for the, for the blind man. Do you guys remember that story? The first time Jesus prays for this guy, uh, was he able to see fully? Well, no, not really. He could sort of see, but it was kind of blurry, so Jesus prayed again, and then that time he was able to see clearly. So it's kind of an odd story, but I think one of the reasons this happened could be that Jesus was trying to set an example for us. So sometimes when I'm praying for people, I kind of like to joke and say, well, if Jesus got to do it twice, what do we get? Like 10? 50? I might be pushing it. But seriously, so about a month ago, 
I was praying for a guy right here. We had, uh, we had some ministry time after, after the sermon. And he said, I've been having knee and hip issues, and my family and I are going skiing, and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to go and have fun with them. And this had, he said this, this had been going on for uh, about six months. So I prayed. Knee, be healed. And that was it. And Barry was actually standing next to me praying, and he, he kind of went Barry eyes on me, and he, he sort of started going like this and looking up at the rafters. And in my mind, Barry was like, is that it? I mean, I might, I might have been putting words into Barry's, Barry's mouth here. He didn't actually say anything. Uh, but I asked him immediately, okay, how, how, uh, how does it feel? Is it, uh, do you feel any better? I always like to check. And I think it's important to distinguish because it, it can be a little awkward when someone's praying for you and say, you say, is it better? You kind of want to make it uh, easier for the person praying for you. But I say, I say don't, don't be nice to me, and I want you to quantify it. So give me a number. If 10 is the worst pain you've ever had and zero is like completely, absolutely healed, what number would you give it now? And he said, you know, it actually does feel kind of better. I think it's like at an eight. And I said, okay, great. Well, I, I told him the story of the blind guy and asked if I could pray again, so we prayed again. And he said, wow, you know, it actually feels like it's down to a three. And we said, okay, Lord, thank you so much that you're, you're working and healing. We pray that you would bring it all the way down to a zero. So I just kind of prayed the same thing. In the name of Jesus, knee be healed, hip be healed, or whatever I said. And we tried that like four times. And then at the end, he said, wow, I feel completely healed. I haven't felt like this in months. And... Uh, he said it's at a zero. So it was that simple, and then Barry walked away. Uh, so God wants to do the stuff, and he wants to do a lot of this stuff, and he's looking for people to do it. He said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and we are the workers. But he's looking for people who will just be faithful in the small things. It's just like the parable of the servants. He gave three servants all these talents, all these resources, and two servants were faithful with what he had given them. So he multiplied what they had, and then he gave them even more responsibility. And then the other guy just hides it under a rock or something and gives it back to the master. And when the master gets back, he says, you wicked servant, what good are you? And he took what little was given to him, and he gave it to the most faithful servant who had the most. Well, why did God give it to that guy? Because to him who has, more will be given. It's a pretty incredible promise. So God gives us these circles of influence, these, circle, these circles of authority, and he's calling us to step right up to the line of that circle. He says, I want you to use this full circle. I have more for you. It's over here. Come on. And when we step up to that line, he will expand our circle of authority, and he gives us more gifts, more power, more authority, more responsibility. Don't overstep that line because that's outside of the Lord's blessing. I didn't call you to do that. Just do this. It's like if I decided I was going to tell this whole church, okay, Grant's out of town, so guess what? We're going to go have church in the prayer chapel, and prayer chapel's going to... No, that doesn't make any sense, and that, God didn't tell me to do that. But if you were thinking, I want to see more miracles in my life. I want to see more miracles in this church. Ask yourself, have I stepped up to the line? Am I operating fully within the spirit authority that God has given me as my inheritance for today? I'll tell you, for me, I'm not. I haven't. So the next thing for me right now, God is asking me, okay, Drew, when are you going to take your faith outside of the church? 
it's fun to practice this stuff over here, but the real stuff is out there, okay? So luckily for me, there's all these opportunities like going to the school down the road uh, where we've got some uh, ministries going on there or downstairs when we do the homeless lunch that uh, Ray puts on once a month. These are all opportunities to meet with people and love on people because that's the highest calling, remember? And share your faith. So why don't we all do that more? Well, because we're all chicken, just like me. Uh, I know I'm chicken, so I just have to come back to the Lord and keep asking him for boldness and faith and grace. But what's encouraging for me is it's not up to me to come up with all the things to say, and I'm not the one doing the healing. Every time I go into these situations, I, I pray these ridiculous little nervous prayers, and then I always end up, I, I, I say, Lord, you know what? I'll go pray for that person, but uh, like you have to do everything because I don't have the emotional energy for this today, and today so you do all the work. And God's like, excuse me, how are you planning on doing this before, Drew? You know what, whatever, just go in there, Drew, I'll take care of it. Same with prophetic words, you know. You open your mouth, and the Lord will fill it. When Peter went up to the beggar, I'm sure it caught him off guard, but he just opened his mouth and let the Holy Spirit do his thing. It doesn't work under your own power. We all saw, <laughs> we all saw how much Peter fell on his butt when uh, he used to open his mouth in the Gospels. Whoa, Peter, I didn't tell you to jump out of the boat. I didn't tell you to cut that guy's ear off, like, chill. But I did tell you to prophesy. I did tell you to heal the sick. I did tell you to make disciples of all the earth. And I did call you to love people in copious amounts. And that's the highest calling. So if you're doing that, you can't go wrong. See, Jesus just came and he said, I, I do what I see the Father doing. So I think there's a lot of us today that the Lord wants to fill with his Holy Spirit. So we're going to invite the band back up and we're going to do some ministry time here and just invite the Lord and see what he wants to do. I think... I think the Lord wants to work in more of these things, and I'll invite you guys to stand as uh, Barry starts to lead us into ministry time. Uh, I had a picture. I had a picture during worship of, um, it was like this jar, but it had been broken. You guys can stand. This jar had been broken and the Lord was filling it, and he said, I'm going to keep filling you, and I'm going to keep filling you, and I'm going to keep filling you, but you got a leak down there, and I want to piece you back together. And I think that word was for me, but I think it was for some other people too. He said, I've, I've got you in my hands, and I love you. You're my little broken jar. You're my creation, but I'm sad that you're broken, and I'm sad that we haven't come to a place yet where I can fix you. So if you feel like that's you, come forward for uh, prayer. There will be some people that come alongside you and, and uh, minister to you and pray for you. Um, I think there are some other people who don't really know what all this stuff is that I was up here talking about. And uh, they might say, you know, there's a charismatic guy at the front and he is just completely taking the seatbelt off. And uh, what is this stuff? If you, if you want to, if you just want to experience some of this stuff, uh, if you just want to touch from the Holy Spirit, if you want to be filled, um, come on up and people will pray for you. If you want to speak in tongues for the first time, people are going to pray for you for that.
uh, I got another word that uh, there are people here that think all this stuff is great, but it's not for them, that this is for other people to do. And that's a tactic of the enemy, and the Lord wants to break that today. Uh, if, if, there's, um, if there's some injury that's been bugging you for a long time or some uh, headaches or sleeping problems, I think the Lord wants to do some healing in some people today. And whatever else you need prayer for, uh, the Lord's here. Uh, if you've never met Jesus and you want to know what that's all about, he wants to introduce himself to you and say, uh, man, I've got a wild adventure in front of you and I've got some stuff that I want to help you out with. And I just want to be friends with you. So come on up if that's you, and we'll see what the Lord does. Amen. For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.